0: So we're getting schizoid with Scott Williams today. Scott is a uh, real estate professional here in Austin, Texas, Uh, over a decade of experience in the market, Um, a world traveler, an all-around entrepreneurial guru, I'd say, and uh, definitely somebody who's positively impacted me, and I probably wouldn't be here doing this under the same guise um, if it wasn't for being introduced to him, so like to welcome him to the schizoid podcast today
1: oh shit man that's a hell of an introduction
0: <laughs> man like no pressure right <laughs> um so man we'll just fucking jump right in because um i just got back from cancun at 4:30 a.m this morning <laughs> and crawled out of bed about nine so let's jump into travel man um i know you were just in what you were Doing a little Southeast Asian tour.
1: Yeah, I had a buddy of mine had uh, went to go meet up with an ex girlfriend. I just kind of tagged along because I like Southeast Asia. Um, I tell you, man, it's a hell of a hoof for ten days. You know, it's like about a it's about a twenty four hour flight when you add it all up, and then it's planes, trains, and automobiles to get to your final destination. So it's a it's a heavy toll you pay with regard to travel, uh, getting there and back. But once you get there. It's like anything else; you get what you pay for. So right. you put a big pain in the ass to get there, you get to something really remote, really cool, little little nook and cranny of the world that most people haven't been to. So that's that's why I like putting in that extra effort to get far away.
0: Right on. What a uh, what brought about? Okay, so you were with some friends. What what kind of adventures did you get into this well, time? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm big on two wheels, man. I love getting on little motorcycles
1: and scooters because they're real nimble, and I feel like you can you can see more than the average person when you're on two wheels. You can go places other people can't go. You can kind of go at your own pace. You can stop. You can pull over. You can do whatever. And there's like a little element of like, of, like, adrenaline and, like, a little it's just exciting to be on a motorcycle because so much shit can happen. You know, you get like a rock in the face, you can have a blowout, you can burn out an axle, you can have all sorts of terrible shit happen. And that's that little element of adventure that I think a lot of travel is missing,
0: right? But yeah. it's dangerous. That's I'm, the trade off. You know? Yeah, I'm definitely not hopping on a fucking a scooter in, in Southeast Asia. No way. Not unless I'm like with a, somebody I absolutely trust. I'm definitely not driving that shit. No way.
1: Yeah, it's it's the price you pay, you know, and, and I was never voted the smartest guy in the world, so, uh, but definitely I like I like a little bit of adventure, so
0: there's the trade-off. Right on. Um, so speaking of it, trade-offs and, and danger and whatnot, let's jump in. Um, let's talk about the time that you got shot in the head. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that's a, that's a good story. I, I don't normally
0: lead with that story because it kind of well, freaks people out. Um, but so so it's, a, it's a good story, though. We don't want to bury the lead. Like, that's, that's the thing in journalism, is you, you never bury the lead. So, we're going to get the hook in to the listeners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And get this thing so, going.
1: um, So, yeah, so I'll give you like a little two minute version. I've told the story like a zillion times uh, just because a lot of people, it's the one thing they remember. And, and so, I've, I've been asked to, to retell it more than once. But uh, when I was, uh, I guess, when I was almost about to graduate college, maybe 1920, something like that, uh, maybe junior year. Um, I was studying international business and my dad wanted to do a little real world project uh, to try to, you know, use some of the skills I'd learned in school. So we started wholesaling IRS computers. So we're buying pallets of computers in the U.S. and shipping them down to Belize. And we were setting them up down there. And this was kind of right at the age where where internet was just starting to get a hold and, and you have to pay little kiosks for minutes of online time. and and so we saw this little niche market and started shipping computers down there. And I was working the trade logistics on the receiving end and uh, just kind of set up shop in Belize City and was buying and selling computers and setting up internet kiosks. And that was kind of my mission. And I just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And a guy tried to mug us. Uh, and it was it was kind of funny. And I didn't really know what was going on. It was cause... kind of funny. Well, I mean, at the time. <laughs> kind of... at the time um... <laughs> this
0: guy tried to rob me. Yes. <laughs> well, well, that's a great they... punchline, right?
1: Well, it's funny because I, I didn't realize what was happening till it was happening. So a guy rolled up on a bicycle, you know, and that's like that's not the start of yeah, most right. muggings, right? Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's a bicycle. Hey, it's a nice bike. And he's like, hey, you know, give me all your money. I'm like, what? He's like, you know, pulls out a big gun, and, and he's like, give me your money. I'm like, all right, all right, hang tight, hang tight. So, I, <laughs> no, so I just just one
0: second. <laughs> I've got to finish this call.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Hold on, man. Hold on, Mister Mugger. <laughs> So I pull out this big floppy wad of, of US, maybe like 500 bucks. And um, I was gonna, I was just like, man, take the money, have a good day, buy some drugs, buy a hooker, <laughs> you know, buy whatever you want, man. It's like, good day for you, just don't shoot me. And he insists on the wallet, He's said, give me the wallet. It's like, dude, I can't give you the wallet, man. It's got all my documents in there, it's worthless to you. Just take the 500 US and have a good day.
0: He's Negotiating.
1: Like, nah. Yeah, right, days, well, right? when I had a little bit of liquid courage, we'd been out drinking that night, you know, I was all ballsy and you know, I've been working out. I thought I was like 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Right. Um, so, uh, so he's like, he just insists and he's, and he's like, no, no, no give me the wallet. And I'm like, no, man, take the money. And, and so he runs up and he puts the gun to my head and, and he goes to pull the trigger. And I instinctively just grabbed the gun, uh, you know, it's just kind of fight or flight. And I was able to grab the gun and bend the muzzle just seconds before he pulled the trigger. So when he shot, the bullet didn't go straight into my head. It ricocheted off my top brow. And uh, and it, it it hit me like a ton of bricks, and for a few seconds there, I thought I was dead. So I was wholly and entirely convinced that I had a bullet buried in the front lobe of my brain, and I had two or three seconds, which felt like an eternity. Right. And I thought I was like I was just thinking, oh my God, not by a crackhead in Belize. And I was like, That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and uh, and and after a few seconds go by, and I realized I wasn't dead, I became very angry with yeah, said I individual. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, and so I proceeded to jump on him and wrestle for the gun. And uh, we got to the point where it was, it was, it was, I mean, it was just raw, barbaric monkey shit, man. Just like, I'm having that gun. There's no way I'm not having it. And so we ended up scrapping on the ground. I ended up pulling the gun away from him. And I thought, I thought, well, I'm going to shoot this guy back. So I go, I tried to shoot him in the leg and the gun didn't work. You know, you're like one bullshit homemade bullet that worked on me. And then like (laughs) nothing else didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Didn't work. Uh, and so i i I couldn't shoot him, so we ended up I um, ended up just getting in this big, kind of rowdy fist fight and and beat him up pretty good. And at the end of the day, I threw the gun. the guy ran off, and I kind of looked around i had i had I had the gun, I had my wallet, I had the money, I had his bicycle. I had everything, <laughs> but I was uh, but I was pretty beat up. You know, I was, right. all, I was all bloody and beat up, and the cops came took me to the hospital, and the guy washed his his hands with a bucket, in in a bucket with a bottle of soap in a Fanta bottle. That's what the doctor used to wash Uh his hands, no gloves, just stitched me up. And, um, anyways, and so they, uh, and that was kind of, that was it. Well, well, the cops came in and they talked to me later. They said, you know, it's an arms free country and nobody has any guns. And the fact (laughs) that that this guy lost the gun for the gang, it was like the gang's livelihood, livelihood, that the gang likely killed the guy. Damn because he, A, really lost a lot of pride for the gang because he got beat up by like a little... <laughs> by an American. Yeah, like a the little <laughs> white guy with glasses, you know, and uh, got the gun taken oh, away. And, and, uh, and so they said he was likely going to get killed by his gang, which I guess, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the cooler story, the cooler part was that they were really trying to fight this, um, fight this, this notion that, that there was crime against tourists. And so there was this kind of this example of a tourist fighting back, and so they wanted to really puff up the story. So they ran a full page uh, a full page story about it, and they labeled me Rambo tourist, (laughs) which like I swear to God, I got the article. Like I'm I'm not really Rambo, you know. I'm not. I'm like a lanky guy with glasses, you know. Right. Uh, But they labeled me Rambo tourist, puffed up the story, made me sound like this kind of beefy guy in the in the paper, and uh, used it as like a, a counter violence against tourism uh you uh oh sorry phone, my phone, oh, phone. is not cool it's not cool what kind of professional are you, uh, you know? yeah d- less than professional. my gun works motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so after that i ended up moving out to the islands i got key Calker and Ambergris key and a few different uh islands out there and no criminals are allowed on the islands so if you've ever been in a crime uh on Be- in your Belizean citizen you're not allowed to go to the islands and so I moved out to the island just to kind of stay away from the crime, finished up what I was doing, and that was that. Um, but it makes a hell of a story. And, and, and a quick yeah, little follow so. I got mugged two other times that same summer. So three times in one summer, I got jacked, and two other times in Spain that summer. And it was just, a, I just had a big red target on my head, and I just wasn't aware of how loud and obnoxious <laughs> and a, uh, that, I, that I was in the world and the attention I, I, I sought. Uh, and I, I, I've learned that lesson now. So, anyways, that's that's the end of that.
0: Got to blend in seamlessly, man. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I'm not too thin, like the locals.
1: I'm, I'm like lanky, and I talk loud, and I'm expressive, and I got red hair, and I'm <laughs> fucking. It's terrible, man. Oh um, man, uh, I got c- accused of, of being uh, what's his name, Mister uh, Mister McGee, or
0: the <laughs> Mister Magoo?
1: No, oh, Mister Magoo, or no, Mister Bean. Oh yeah, Mr. There Bean. You go. I'm like a, I'm a Mister Bean traveling in the world, <laughs> right? So it's hard to. Cool. And a fucking scooter. <laughs> yeah, a scooter flip flops, my red hair and my glasses. F-
0: taking a selfie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doing know. selfie videos.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's how you get the good videos, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, tra- traveling is one of those things that um, you you get a lot of life experience in a really short amount of time. And it, it it introduces you to this huge spectrum of people that you don't normally see in your everyday environment. Right. Because you kind of you've got these kind of homogenous environments that we live in, and you kind of see the same people every day at the store and at work and at whatever. And when you travel, you meet people that are that are the full spectrum of colors and religions and races and languages and everything. And it really gives you a much larger perspective uh, on kind of your life in the world. And that was something that I really took away from, from traveling, and that's what gave me the proverbial travel bug.
0: Yeah, that's where I'm pretty envious of of europeans because there's so many different culture. you know what i mean it's like for us it's like we can go to canada or mexico even that in the comparison to G- in terms of geography um to europe is just a vast difference right there you can hop on a train and be in a well, you know it's
1: culturally accepted over there too so most everyone that, that's of european culture they take a gap year right you know or even like so i met a girl that's uh, that's from uh, from holland and uh or from the Netherlands and um, Holland's, I guess, a subset of the Netherlands. She she corrected me. <laughs> um, so uh, so she she's from the Netherlands and get this. So they get student loans uh, to do you know to go to go to school for, or whatever, but they don't check to see if you're actually in school. <laughs> so she's gotten this like kind of government ride, but she's traveling the world for for a year. And and the cool thing is that um, you get these loans at like one percent or whatever, but you don't have to start uh, paying them back until you make at least 21 or 24,000 euros a year. So you've got like a grace period. But the real nugget is that after 10 years, if you don't make them, if you don't pay them back, they're forgiven anyways. So you basically just have to limp along for 10 <laughs> years and then all your student loans go away. So there's really no incentive
0: to not take the money
1: and not right. go travel. And that's just a cultural difference that we have, you know, from them versus us. Yeah. This I, side of the pond versus theirs.
0: I can imagine hearing the... <laughs> the GOP talk about oh this is fucking socialism man
1: well it better not is. don't
0: le- don't learn about the world nope don't can't have it nope and it I, can't afford it
1: yeah i'm 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 insanely jealous i mean i right? wish we yeah, had it Yeah, yeah like, have fuck yeah i you lady if you're free <laughs> student loan that you don't have to pay back you get to go travel around
0: i definitely i've actually met a few aussies here in uh in austin actually worked with one and you know he was that's what he was just here just hanging out doing his gap year Got a got a job, he's doing his thing. Yeah, that's so aussies are another big culture that does that. They all take a gap
1: year, you know, one or two years and it's just it's it's almost weird if you don't do it. Yeah. Um and it's just something that that over here in the in the West we just don't really have. It's a shame. Um, this is kind of funny. So I saw an article in, uh, from from Forbes this morning. It was on Facebook, but you know, it's still from Forbes. <laughs> you know, fake news. Yeah, fake news. But it's from Forbes, so it's a fairly reputable. And they're basically saying that that this whole culture of millennials that's putting a lot of stock into travel and putting a lot of money into travel, they're saying that they're, they've actually gone too far that direction, and they're not spending enough time and energy, kind of building their their life infrastructure for the future. Right, and so they're saying that you know, should you travel in your twenties, thing sure you should travel a little bit, but you shouldn't just go off the deep end and just live traveling for years yeah. and years and years because you fail to to build the the education you need, the nest eggs you need, the business relationships, the skills you need, the trade you need to ultimately uh, you know have a, a more fulfilling life in the future, and so um, that's kind of an, uh, an interesting uh, I guess whiplash to this recent. Uh, traveling phenomenon because i guess with the with the birth of like pinterest and and everyone wants that instarific photo right now traveling has become more accessible and more popular and that's it's almost like traveling used to be reserved for people that were kind of cool and adventurous and really out there and really going to go do it and now it's like everybody's got their machu picchu picture you know <laughs> with their selfie and their their right. their alpaca and their machu picchu and uh and they're saying that that that's got some value but you know, the millennials are maybe going too far that direction. They're not preparing for the future. Right. So an interesting article.
0: Well, I'll just say as I'm on, I'm on the tail end, I'm on that cusp of like Gen X and millennials, but I think I'd still like firmly.
1: They have ex Have you seen that? <laughs> that
0: would probably, I fall. I'm kind of like right there because I think 1980 is like the cutoff part for like the earliest. Yeah, well, I'm of people. Yeah, so you're So kind they, of they've in...
1: got that new, the, the new term is ex I think.
0: It's, Interesting. It's Generation X it's plus fucking, millennial. I, dude, one of my biggest pet peeves these days is millennial bashing. And to go back, all fucking fuck <laughs> Forbes magazine. For one thing, I've only, I've been, let's see, I've been to the Dominican and I have been to Cancun. That's the two t- international trips I've ever been on. I've been busting my ass Forbes magazine to try to make a living and plan for the future. And guess hmm. what? None of that shit has really paid off. All that well you know what i mean so uh you know i'm no closer to a home and it's not because i went on uh, you know a backpacking trip through europe or southeast asia it's because you know the economic conditions that we're experiencing are i think pretty shitty in particular for for our generation
1: yeah i guess there's no guarantees i mean they're, they're not saying that yeah if you do x y and z like you're supposed to go yeah. to school get your job do yeah. your you know getting your rat race that that works out so they're not really offering a solution. Exactly. They're just saying that, like, oh well, don't do that.
0: Yeah, which uh, kind of seems sounds like bullshit to me, to be quite honest. Because I mean, who has the money? Like, you know what I mean? Not everybody's got the money. To just, it's not all millennial. Oh, all millennials are out here traveling the world. No, fuck no, it's not. There are people busting their ass all across the country. It's that our we you know we have seen what our parents' lives were like. We have seen that material possessions don't make don't make you happy it's experiences and the people that you love and helping others. That's where, you know, genuine, uh, you know, happiness is, is built in, not in this, you know, let's grind, let's work and work and work and work until we die for some corporation to make some other guy rich. Well, is... I
1: think it's, it's, it's just a balance. You know, you can't, if, if you work all day, then you're not going to be happy. If right. You travel all day. You're not going to be happy. So, so this is kind of, it's interesting. Uh, this kind of brings it back to this book we were talking about. Um, the the wisdom of of insecurity, and they're saying that that pain is equally important to pleasure, oh, yeah. you know, And it's this it's the same kind of old adage. It says if every day is a sunny day, what's a sunny day? You gotta have some rainy days in there to really appreciate the sunny day. But I think the same thing can be applied with travel. You know, uh, most people I met are on this circuit where they're they're traveling for months on end or a year or two years or whatever, and it's it's kind of la la land because none of the, I, I was the real minority because I had a job and a reason to come home and right. you know that kind of thing and and I was only traveling for you know for 10 days, you know a couple of weeks or whatever and and they were um like everyone looking like oh my god how you could only travel for a week or two that's a, <laughs> I, I would <laughs> I would never you know and uh and I'm sitting there going well gosh you what are you doing like well I don't have a job and I'm out of school and I don't I'm just I'm just gonna float around for 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 two years, and I'm thinking, well, gosh, how that's... the fuck do people do that shit? I can't figure it out. Well, man. you live in the dirt. Your your place is five dollars a night. I mean, it's cheaper
0: to live traveling in the gutter than it is. Yeah, but to live... what about income? It's one. It's like, yeah, you can travel on the cheap, but well, if I, you know, I've got student loans, I've got a car payment, I've got these are you know, those mean? Euro
1: student loans, or right? the Euro loans <laughs> where true, it's right? like free money at one percent, you don't pay it back, and it's all this other bullshit. So it's. Not exactly alone. It's just a government ride. So you and I, being Westerners, being Americans, we have a different set of rules that we have to play by than these Europeans or these, uh, well, these I mean, Aussies. Or just whatever. to correct,
0: I mean that they are that is the West, though. That's the thing. Well, the I mean, Western, Western they're, they're Europe, they're Western
1: cultured, but I guess they're they other side of the pond.
0: Yeah. Right. You know, European versus American. Yeah. Well, so they don't have the Protestant work ethic like we do in this country. <laughs> that's like, oh, you better The idle hands are the devil's workshop. Kind yeah, of yeah, bullshit. yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't know what the solution. I don't know how much is too much traveling, how much is not enough traveling. I think it's a little bit different for everybody, but I, you know, I know that balance is key. I mean, and that's something I keep coming back to. Balance is a key to life. It's an, it's insanely hard for me to find. I mean, that's this yeah. like elusive thing for me. But well, that, I, I
0: think that's for everyone, man. To be honest. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, but you know, the, uh, this this girl I met uh, that was from uh, that was from the Netherlands, she had been traveling for nine months, and she was happy enough, but kind of lost. She's kind of wandering about, you know, and she's a nice girl and got her boyfriend and, you know, she's going to go to school and kind of had a plan. But like, I don't, I don't, I feel like she was almost bored with traveling, but she didn't know what else to do.
0: Well, fuck, I'm bored with traveling. I'm bored with not traveling. Yeah. yeah, right? But so, I don't know what else to do. Well, yeah. So that's,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess it's, it's just, you know, she's maybe traveling too much. You know, maybe we're not traveling enough. Right. You know, and so there's, you know, there's that, that kind of, that split there. So. I've found, for me, 10 days is the sweet spot. If I go for a week, it doesn't feel like long enough. If I go for two weeks or three weeks, uh, shit falls apart at home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in fact, so I tried to go to a, to Turkey for a month uh, a couple of years ago, and I got over there. I went to Poland and Turkey. I was their buddy of mine, one we and the other. And uh, I was over there, and, and uh, a really big client of mine bought a lot of houses. I had three things in escrow with them, and they decided to pull out. Well, fucking real estate is like,
0: <laughs> there's always some... There's Something always lurking around the corner. Yeah. There. It's
1: 24 seven. Right. So, but the thing is I wasn't able to keep track of my contracts and my dates and timelines well enough. I mean, I had my assistants in place and I had my agents in place and I had everything in place, but I still missed a deadline. Right. And, uh, because I had time zones or whatnot yeah. and they decided to pull out and all their money was became non-refundable. So Holy they were going to lose several thousand dollars. But this, 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 this one is an institutional client. they bought about 50 houses from, me, which is quite a few. Um, they were gonna lose all their money. So if they lost this several thousand dollars in earnest money, they were gonna fire me. So I went to I, I went to, uh, to uh, Istanbul, bought a one-way ticket at the counter back home from Istanbul for a small fortune, <laughs> and uh, met this agent at a gas station at night, cut him a personal check out of my own account Holy so that they would release all my client's funds and right. go back to my client and everything was kosher Yeah. so I could go on to sell them a lot of houses. And, and so, and it's uh, <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah, so, so it it, 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 cost me a fortune to do that, but it preserved a client. So it was still a good move. But the, the, the lesson here was that I can't travel for 30 days anymore. Yeah. I'm now a fucking adult and I have to play by the adult rules of the world, which says you can't blank out of society for 30 days and expect nothing to happen. <laughs> and so that was my big wake up call. And I haven't taken an extended 30 day plus trip since then. I've limited everything to like 10 days, two weeks. And even two weeks has been a little bit much. So that's what I found is balance for me, is the 10 days.
0: I, th- I think I really might shoot you because I like, I don't think I've been on <laughs> out of the country that many days combined. Maybe not even, probably not even two weeks so far. Well, but anyways, it's, not it's,
1: it's, th- it's, just, it's all priorities, though. Yeah. You know, I, I will say, you
0: know, you got a lot nicer car than I do.
1: True. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, so yeah. it's, it's, it's just we, we spend our money where we find value. You know, so some people, if they find value in a really nice car, they're going to have a really nice car, but they're not going to travel. Right. I find value in having a shitty little moped <laughs> and, uh, you know, going to Southeast Asia. Yeah. So it's just a difference of, of where you kind of put your value, I guess. Um, not to discount one or yeah, the other. I mean, just,
0: I'm uh, I'm just being a a, a little, what, a, a snowflake millennial. <laughs> oh, oh, boo-hoo, <laughs> drive a fucking Cadillac. <laughs> oh, poor me. <laughs> But, uh, you know, something you mentioned um, about happiness and, you know, needing the good and bad, that really brings to mind, um, I don't know if you're familiar, there's a sociologist by the name of Emile Durkheim, and uh, his theory of deviance was basically that there will all, deviance will always be, will always exist. And don't, you know, not deviance in the sense of, I mean, yes, obviously, like, doing things that are socially or culturally unacceptable right like that's deviance but i think that the theory still applies to you get accustomed to x or y right so you're going to read you're always going to be redefining what happiness is you know what i mean so if you're traveling two years in a row then you know the little hiccups that go along with traveling or whatever, that becomes your new, like, oh, this is, this is the bummer. Like you're all, there's always that you're creating that sense of unhappiness in yourself just as like a natural process. That's a
1: really interesting point. Yeah. I, you know, I guess if you look at the, the, the rainy day versus the sunny day on that micro level, you know, like, you know, maybe, you know, I had a really shitty night when we were traveling because the AC or the uh, not the AC the electricity to the whole island went out, and we <laughs> were and, and we're talking like humid, funky ass uh, Mekong River bottom, mosquitoes <laughs> and like we had a fan and I was like stoked about that fan, but two in the morning we had no fan.
0: The uh, fan like <laughs> it's so humid that the fan like stopped, can't even cut through the air or something.
1: Well, right, but so I'm saying so so losing electricity to the island created a really shitty night. Yeah, and nobody got any sleep. And so that was that rainy day, right? Right. Uh, but then the next day, we got a moped. Electricity was on. Drove all over the island. Had an outstanding day. So it was. is it was, it was that contrast. So I guess you're right. Even on that micro level, if you kind of, if you make it your perspective, of uh, uh, you know, you kind of use your own your own personal perspective to evaluate happiness. Well, then you're in a better position uh, to, to to, I guess, gauge whether
0: you're happy or not. I just well, I mean, there's so much of life is subjective and based on our own experiences and our our background and that place. You know what I mean? Like that sets up your reality. Yeah, we all co and you know, there's probably there's some element of reality out there that we're all experiencing, but we're experiencing, you know, different colors in that rainbow. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I mean, yeah, everyone's reality is is we, I guess in a, in, a, in a term they say. We all see life through our own rose-colored lens, right? So we've got our own perspective on everything, and, and it's because we're shaped by our own experiences through life. Right, yeah, exactly. So we've got our own lens for, for, for judging every situation. It's going to be different to every other person. So I don't, I don't know how to, how to evaluate happiness. Glass half full, half empty? Well, it's got to be both because you can't – if it's all the way full, that's not good. If it's yeah. all the way empty, that's not good. You almost
0: have to have a half full, half empty – right
1: to actually appreciate one or the other
0: that's the interesting yin and yang and like yeah. the paradox of, of everything i think is just that subjectivity that we all experience and it's like if i could download the experience of someone from you know some super you know impoverished area i'd i'd jump on that man cuz can you imagine if you just if you came to the united states just broke as fuck and made your way through and you know built a life for yourself your sense of perspective is infinitely better than some you know even myself like as an american you know everything's relative everything's relative you're exactly exactly
1: right so if you come from the gutter and you're just living in a shitty little one bedroom but it's your one bedroom that is leaps and bounds better than the gutter you're
0: in exactly so but if
1: we're americans and we're used to coming you know we lived we grew up in our parents nice big four bedroom house and now we're in our shitty little one-bedroom. We're like, well, fuck, man. Poor right. is me, you know? I
0: can't. uh boo-hoo. I can't go traveling for like a year through fucking Southeast Asia. Uh. Yeah,
1: poor me. So right. it is all relative. Uh, so uh, the other big thing that I get from traveling, and this is maybe one of the more important nuggets, is that it really makes me appreciate the life that I have and what we have on this side of the, the pond. Because you see how people live. You see, and, and and they're happy, but you still see the conditions that people live in. And it is... It's one thing to see it. It's one thing to see it on TV. It's another thing to fucking smell it, right? (laughs) You have to see it so close. You smell the dirt and grime and funk that people live with on a daily basis. And it gives you this, again, this huge perspective on your own life. And, and, and the perspective I take away is, is a greater appreciation for what I have. So coming back grateful and thankful for what you have, I think is a really good position. And that kind of feeds into that happiness thing, that
0: perspective. Very true. So. Yeah, it's funny. I'm think I was on an all-inclusive resort in Cancun, um, so I didn't get very much uh, legitimate time in Mexico. Uh, sure. t- which, what's really funny is I didn't have any Mexican food except I had some like, <laughs> <laughs> except one <laughs> one random taco. <laughs> By the way, they had some they had some al pastor tacos, man, just right there. They had the little thing, the meat spinning, yeah. and I was like, yes, this is my favorite. So they, man exquisite yeah so i had some dog on accident oh, i shit. found out today <laughs>
1: so i, I, I got a, i got a little bit sick and i usually don't get too sick but i got a little sick I was, I was texting my buddy sky and i was telling him i was bam like, my stomach's been a little upset or he goes yeah remember that 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 mystery meat you tried <laughs> i was like yeah Because i went back to that
0: stand he goes dog you you got some dog dog <laughs> i was like oh boo nice. so that, that kind of reminds me of uh what the, the cheech and chong movie up in smoke where the dog eats his stash and he's like, oh, what, what hey man, what's in this? It got some Labrador in it, man. <laughs> I <So> remember <laughs> that. that a great movie. Dude, man, these tacos are good. It's got some Labrador in it, man. My dog <laughs> ate my stash. Oh, I remember that. Well. So what's next, man? Do uh, you have a do you have a new trip plan?
1: Well, I'm going with Stuart actually. So, uh, so he's so so my buddy Stuart. He kind of went the other direction in life. So I've been I kind of took the bachelor single guy approach, and uh, he and he doubled down and got a he's got a beautiful wife and beautiful kids and a good job and a career. And by 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 most American standards, he is the golden standard of, of a human being. <laughs> you know, in fact, he's like he he's a he's a freaking Eagle Scout and he's nice and everybody likes him and. And every time he gets promoted, he takes a double jump promotion. And like, <laughs> he's just a perfect individual. So you kind of fucking hate him, you know, uh, but he's really nice. You, you, you don't. But uh, at the end of the day, he, he, he took this really almost like textbook approach to life. And it's worked out really well for him. But by by contrast, you know, he's he's working on something larger than himself. So he's got a nice family. He's got, you know, multiple properties. He's got, he's got a really nice life. But he is not being able to, you know, have some of the experiences that I've had. You know, right. by, by contrast so I've had some travel experiences and he's had some family experiences so there are some near-death experiences yeah so we're not saying one's better than another now he's been crazy too he's had some near death I've seen his ass have some near-death experiences too <laughs> but uh, now that he's married his wife doesn't like it last time I asked him if they could if he could travel she would yes but you almost die every time you can't go kill my husband that was right? his wife's answer but um uh, we're actually going on a motorcycle trip probably to Scotland uh, and sounds in, awesome like uh, like over Thanksgiving so he, uh, you know, he basically got the, the, the green card to go, The you know, his wife taking the kids uh, to the family's house or something for a few days. and
0: Scott going to Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, perfect.
1: So we were, anyway, so it was, uh, we just kind of looked around at, like where the cheaper flights were. I mean, I, I picked most of my vacations based on the Google algorithm for cheap flights. Uh, you man, know? <laughs> I'll
0: tell you what, that came back to bite me. Yeah, uh, so I flew out of Cancun into Baltimore yesterday and my flight was supposed to leave at Eight twenty-five. 25. Well, there were some storms in the Gulf, so I got stuck sitting in the in BWI until fucking 1 30 last night. Oh no,
1: that's horrible. <laughs> and
0: while I was in Mexico, um, I at, so a friend of our, you know, Brandon got married, so we're dancing to a kid Cuddy, uh, Pursuit of Happiness, ironically, oh, right? Oh, nice. Uh, the Steve Aoki remix. <laughs> and I'm, so I'm jumping, you know, I'm doing a little fist pumping. I'm, I'm getting in the mix you know what i mean so i landed awkwardly on the side of my foot and bruised the shit out of it i don't know uh probably not gonna go to the doctor i'm just gonna man up dude i've got that old man logan healing factor going for me so i'm gonna let that ride out we'll see how it goes i'll let you know but i can walk on it and uh you know anyways so they switched my gate three times <laughs> well I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm watching the monitors. Oh so you're, I'm like, you're yeah, I'm like <laughs>
1: you're trying to get to gate to gate. Oh, I'm horrible. hobbling
0: back and forth across the gates and shit. So uh yeah, so what, you so missed you missed a flight you I you didn't got know s- no, you just got stuck in the tarmac. I was stuck in the terminal, man. I was luckily I wasn't in the tarmac. Um they had uh, I guess there were storms in the Gulf yesterday and my flight was coming out of Tampa, so they got you know, their flight got delayed and it's just a domino effect at that sure. point. And I'm just kinda waiting like fuck. <laughs> what time did you get in? I got in at 4.30 this morning
1: Oh, that's rough, man Yeah, that's so rough. I
0: I got up at about 9 th- I pro- Shit, I probably didn't go to sleep And, you know, fall asleep till 6.30 maybe And got up at 9.30 uh, I'm jet lagging back So it's exactly 12 hours difference From where I so, was uh, Yeah, that's so, rough So, you know,
1: whatever time it is now It's like oh, 1 in the afternoon It's like 1 in the morning According to my body <laughs> Oh, shit So I've been, uh, I've been having a hard time I've been trying to, like, trying to stay up to midnight yeah and then uh but i can't sleep past like six i've been up since 6 a.m which is a real paradigm shift for me because i'm like a p.m sleeper dude i go to bed at three in the morning <laughs> i get up at 11 in the morning that's like my that's what i do
0: dude, i'm now I'm... I'm with you man that's more my my thing i can't go to bed early it's like i, oh, I stay man. up till at, at the i mean you know about midnight most nights so it's, it's like psychological... regardless of what's happened too it's like i could have run a marathon and fucking whatever i'm still you know so I thought about this. So I
1: think it's psychological for me. So like I'll find myself like even I'm tired, but I'll be like trying to watch some TV or oh, maybe it's a new ShamWow <laughs> commercial. I, maybe <laughs> maybe they have a new, you know, whatever. Billy uh, and,
0: Mays to return.
1: Well, it's because I'm afraid to like close my eyes and miss out on something.
0: I think is what it is. FOMO. Yeah, it's like FOMO, as the millennials say.
1: Yeah, I suffer from FOMO a little bit. Uh, I think we all do a little bit.
0: Um, I could be missing out on this content that could change my life.
1: Right. So, like, but it doesn't make sense at 3:30 in the morning, and you're like trying to hold an eye open
0: with your hand. You know, like you're not missing
1: much, man. You're you're missing the next day, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so performing at your peak efficiency. I don't. uh, My peak happens after 12. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm hoping that this will be a little paradigm shift for me to kind of jog my uh, jog my system back toward the general direction of the regular <laughs> public. Uh, maybe I can get a little bit more on a schedule and maybe be more productive. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I don't know. You're a productive guy. I think you're being too hard on yourself.
1: Well, it's one of those things. I go 100 miles an hour and then I go zero.
0: I dude, I admire your energy level because I don't I don't have it. I'm definitely not. I'm like, I'm super reserved. I'm just like, if I'm not feeling it that day, it's just I'm not feeling it. Well, and most days, I'm not feeling it to be honest.
1: Well, I think I, in in fairness though, you you've you've seen me at my peak energy. I mean, what I say, my peak is after twelve. It's, <laughs> right? it's about a little one, right? one, you know. So I'm perfect peaking. timing.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I definitely. I mean, last night, you know, from like uh, six to midnight, I was just at my house, a zombie. I had some people stop by. I told them like, ah, eh, just. Go ahead, go away. I don't even want to hang <laughs> go, out with go you. Go away now. Um, you have to
0: leave Neverland.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just because I just uh, you know I was gotta have my recharge time too, like yeah. anybody else. But when you do, yeah, it's you know when when you're awake and bright and shining, that's when you want to be out in the world. But when you're not, you kind of shut. I kind of shut down, shut off because I don't want to show that side. I'd rather show the side my, my I'd rather show my energy to the world and then right. keep my keep my my down funk to myself. Yeah.
0: Closing but, deals, comes in handy. Yeah, like, right. So fucking Scotland, man. That's awesome. I love the Scots. They've got the. It's like they t- they've got something deep in their throat. They've got to spit <laughs> out, mate. I'm not uh, even gonna try said. to do it,
1: man. I can't do it.
0: I, I would um, feel bad because I'm so into doing these uh, impressions and voices and shit that I would like just being around it. Dude, all of my accents regress to an Indian accent? So- <laughs> I can try to talk like a Scotland and then before you know it
1: I'm talking no, like, 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 like a, a like the like oh man, I'm <laughs> It's very glottal.
0: It's it's the Adam's apple. It's like you've got a fucking like you've got you, something, it comes from the all the air is coming through your Adam's apple. That's how you do it. I'm Scot I'm going to Scotland. Ah, see you're oh. no no mate, you're fucking you're, <laughs> I'm you're I'm fucking it up, man. You're shallow throating it is what you're doing <laughs> over there. You got a deep throat <laughs> yeah, she, that she, accent, she, baby. Yeah, show me how deep throat exactly. Dog. deep throat the accent. <laughs> It's all right here oh uh, no. anyways uh man scotland got the highlands you've got i don't know what's the scottish city aberdeen yeah well they have the isle of man over there too Ooh, yeah yeah you know, that that's what they badass. do the big
1: well they do they do a big motorcycle race over there that's where they do like the big tt or whatever the they're like super bikes i don't I've seen it on tv and then they wreck and i'm like oh god i'm glad i'm, <laughs> glad I'm not riding that thing yeah uh, but i know that's over there so we might try to see that it was really just a product of like, oh, where are the cheap flights? So it's either going to be like, it's either going to be Panama, Ecuador, Colombia, or Scotland, and that was all. Those are the cheap flights. Everything nice. else was like expensive. Or we had already, we want to kind of pick a place neither neither me nor Stuart had been. So yeah, I don't switch know. it up a little bit. I Myth mean, not, we didn't book yet. You know, he's still. You know, he he got told <laughs> by his wife he can do it. And you probably can do it and I'm sure he can do it, but we need that double double. You don't be booking stuff without double double checking with your wife. You know. <laughs> right? You know, unless you want a happy life, happy wife, you right. know. So it's not booked yet, but that's that's definitely on the agenda. Um I tell you so something else I had that, that kinda gave me this this kind of top down perspective is um is like I'm I'm not a big astrology guy. Like I kinda you know, it's kinda fun, to kinda play around with it. Some people take it real seriously, some people don't, you know. Um, But I had a friend offer to read my chart, my birth chart, which is basically like the time that you're born, where all the celestial bodies lie, ultimately has some effect on your life. And I guess tease up different scenarios in your life so you can learn certain lessons. That's the basic premise there. And uh, she told me a bunch of interesting stuff about myself. And and the takeaway was a larger perspective in my life so that, you know, it's not just this life. I guess you come through multiple lives. Uh, And so, you know, after this kind of engaging conversation with her, I kind of took a lot, I took life a lot less serious. Not that I take it too serious anyways, but uh, I took it a lot less serious and a lot more kind of hands off and free and just do more. Um, And that was kind of my takeaway from it was that you you, you can't fuck it up. And if you do, you got, you get to try it again. (laughs) Right. Uh, And so that's kind of, I decided to work a little less, try to leisure a little more, have a little bit more balance because... I've been chasing the almighty dollar for 10 years pretty hard. You know, I've been, you know, I grew up poor and so I I had this thirst for the almighty dollar maybe more than the average person. Oh, I know what that's like. And I I, I, you know, I used to think, man, I need millions and zillions of dollars to be happy with the realities. I need 10 bucks. You know, right? I just need to not be broke. I need to be able to buy a taco, ride my moped, and <laughs> you know, get some new flip-flops when they wear out and and I'm happy. And that's been a huge uh, like a huge takeaway that I've I've kind of reflected on the last few years. Um, and so because of that, yeah, that's, that's part of going. So this all kind of ties into the traveling in the Scotland and, you know, it doesn't really make sense to go. It's not, you know, why go it's because, yeah. because why not? I guess was the answer. You know, I got, I'm down. I, I mean,
0: yeah, I'm all for it now. So, so, <laughs> so
1: I used to have this, this speech that I would tell people in college. So I started traveling in college and it was, I was dead broke. And what I would do is I would, I would book my ticket, put everything on a credit card and I would travel on a credit card. And it's just asinine, right? You know, and uh, and I would travel on this credit card, and then I would get back, and I would work the whole next year and chunk of the summer, and I'd dig myself out of that debt. And and what I would tell people is I'd say, look, let's say you you're gonna take a big trip and it's gonna cost you three thousand dollars, but let's say you gotta have an, a credit card, and so you're gonna pay a thousand dollars in interest, maybe maybe even two thousand. So that that three thousand dollar trip, let's say, cost you five grand, an extra two grand in interest, just a Visa and Mastercard or whatever. I said, in, in the grand spectrum of your life, five years from now, will you have any idea where that two grand went? No. Right. Will you remember that experience the rest of your life? You betcha. And so, a little phrase I coined is, "You can't put a price on lifetime memories." And so, that's how I usually talk to some of my travel companions into going with me, because the most common excuse is, "I don't have money and I don't have time." Yeah. Well, uh, time, time is, is money. Yeah. <laughs> well, time is money, but time is more valuable than money. Absolutely, because it's it's truly finite. It's, yeah, it's the only truly finite thing in this universe is time, and so uh, I thought, well, boy, if I'm going to leverage some money and time, I'll just take some interest out, and <laughs> use my time now because future time going. selling yeah. your
0: future time basically. Yeah,
1: exactly, and so uh, so that to me was was a really good uh, value proposition, right? Well, you know, <laughs> you're, you're not
0: guaranteed future time is no, the thing that's always like that's what I'm always up against because my thought pro- I'm like somebody who's always, I want to have every contingency out there planned for. It's like, I've got like three levels deep of plans in case this happens. I'm going to do this. If that happens, boom, boom, boom. So I'm ready for anything because I've been in there where, you know, shit goes off the rails. And you got at no any plan. Time. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I, it's like, I have that, but I also want to balance it with, you know, being responsible and being an adult and all of that. So it, it's, it's tough to find that proper balance for me
1: yeah again with the balance it's this elusive thing um i don't have a solution for that man you find that solution you write a book <laughs> and you uh you sell it uh, but yeah man i think i think time is far more valuable than money so if you if you do have the opportunity to travel or, or not even just travel but do something if you experience, have the opportunity to yeah. do something to experience something
0: just fucking pay for it man that's where the richness comes in and yeah i mean I'm, both times that i've really traveled that's kind of been my thought process is like i can't afford this This is pretty much going to be dead, but, you know, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's like I've been out of the country for two weddings, and it's like all my buddies are there. It's like, how could I possibly miss this? You know what I mean? I might die tomorrow or get in a car wreck, or, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You want to die
1: leaving a shitload of bags.
0: (laughs) That's what you want to die. You want to die owing a million dollars all over the place. Fuck you, Visa. (gasps) Yeah. um... What is it? I mean... Nowadays, it's just numbers on a computer somewhere. It's like right. it doesn't even really exist. Well, they want to say
1: you can't take it with you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I've got no kids. What are they gonna do?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. I probably won't. So.
1: Yeah. So kids are another thing. There, there's been this kind of huge, uh, this huge reaction. It's almost like remember that movie. Have you seen that movie,
0: *Idiocracy*? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've well, never watched the, the whole thing. The
1: basic premise is that you know, the the smarter and more educated and and, and wealthier you become, the less kids make sense
0: from a from a financial standpoint Well, absolutely i mean i think the economics of
1: right and and if you're and if you're and if you're at the lower socioeconomic class you're kind of sitting there thinking oh well, who cares and whatever let's just go have some sex and oh I have another kid oh whatever and before you know it you got 10 kids well now you have 10 kids born into a lower socioeconomic level and they're going to read the same psychology and they're going to and so it grows much exponentially at the base. Right. And then the very pyramid of, of, of the socioeconomic scale doesn't, doesn't grow that much. And uh, it, with that basic principle, um, you know, we, we've kind of, we're starting to see that in, in, in actual today's society where people are having less and less kids or the, or the, the smart, uh, the smart people, the, the wealthy people, the educated people, the, the kind of higher tiers of society are having fewer and fewer kids. Um, and, and that's, I guess it's who knows what kind of effect that's going to have long term. Well, it's going to be
0: it's going to be devastating on all our systems because if you think about it, um I'm trying to think Jap- Japan and Europe have had these it's the inverted triangle. So yes. you've got this huge and it's it's creeping into the US one thing that has helped us avoid it, we've been replenishing is not because of Americans but immigration sure. has actually sure, sure, sure. helped us keep up uh, a little bit more of an equal equal distribution throughout the age you know, ranges, but that's, that's also, you know, it's becoming more and more intense, especially with millennials. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm 34. I haven't had kids yet. I, I probably won't to be honest. I'm probably not going to own a home. I'm not going to have kids. I'm not going to get married. It's just, I'm just going to be a guy and then I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's, that's so fucking tragic sounding, that, you know, yeah, but I'm, like,
0: I, I mean, you know, I'm not worried about it. Um, I've spent a lot of my life, you know, I'm talking about happiness Trying to define my life and my sense of happiness on what I've been programmed to to accept. So, you know, get get married, have kids, get a job like that's that is happiness. But is is it really? Are these obligated? I mean, I you know, living well, having someone else to to it's live imposed for viewpoints. It's it's societally
1: right. imposed viewpoints. So
0: it's like you're saying those the people the poor folk you know they don't they don't really have time to sit here and think about. You know, they've got bills to pay, right? It's, they're not sitting here thinking about these existential questions of, oh, should I <laughs> have a kid? It's just like, oh, yeah, you're, of course I'm going to have a kid. My parents had kids, right? Sure, That's sure. what you're supposed to do. And that's what we're up against in as, you know, economics gets squeezed and squeezed. Well, that couple of the brain further. drain,
1: too. So there's other countries that place a higher value on science and math and, and, and engineers, and they're pulling our kind of top brass out of our society. And so, you know, I don't know if I say America or maybe, maybe the West, but we're, we're feeling a brain drain. You know, we're feeling a lot of people, we're ha- having some attrition. You know, a lot of the kind of top tier people are leaving because there's better opportunities elsewhere, uh, you know, because they're getting poached to go to yeah. Germany, to go to India, to go to, to China, to go to these other kind of foreign nations because they put a really high value on that uh, that kind of intellectual Power and knowledge, yeah, and uh, they're they're kind of undermining us as a culture. So the two things combined with the so- the, the lower socioeconomic tier growing, the top tier is not growing, and the top tier that does grow is getting poached. Can- we're, yeah. we're fucking set up for disaster, man.
0: I don't know. I don't know if you can get return for your money like you can. I mean, definitely in terms of labor, right? And I think actually to counter your point about the whole STEM field is that a lot of companies will actually hire graduates out of India or where, what have you, because they can pay them less than an American, right?
1: Hmm. Oh, so I guess that is a...
0: And I mean, th- even those jobs like programming, I mean, look at something like web design.
1: Oh, sure. You know, yeah, that market is
0: totally... Well, even it's so flooded even just by like what? Squarespace or Wix or any of these like what you see is what kind you get. Semi, type. Semi-automated. Yeah, it's just like you can have something up real quick, right? So even something that was maybe... You know, not that long ago, right? Web design was like a big industry. It's already gone. It's already matured into this thing where costs are super low. Mm-hmm. And people outsource coding to other countries. You know what I mean? It's kind of this whole outsourcing thing has really, you know, it's, it's destroyed. That's what the whole political system or, you know, situation we're in is because, you know, the top 1% has been accumulating all the capital gains because they're paying these, uh, you know, they're paying overseas production costs and then they're selling it back to us. Well, as Americans, then we're loading up on debt, right? So even though we don't have that productive capacity, uh, they're still able that we're getting by on these cheap goods. Because, of course, if they had to pay American workers, there's no profit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really fascinating point. It, it's almost like there, we, there's no place for the human and you know that's kind of the, the direction we're going you know with, with everything being automated, automated yeah everything you know there, there's you know and that's that kind of that that undermines our very fundamentals you know if you go back to real basic stuff maslow's hierarchy of needs right with this need to be needed we have to have place right and you start you start taking away the the jobs and the purpose of the of the population as a whole i think that's going
0: to breed hugely systemic problems within the within the Human race, right? you know? I mean, that's why people, uh, particularly out of Silicon Valley, are bringing up the whole idea of universal basic income. Like Elon Musk has been someone who's spoken a lot about that. But not only him, there's been other people that, you know, eventually they're just going to, I mean, that is like the post, we're heading towards that post-scarcity society. Obviously, we're a long way from fully being there. But if you think about it, we produce enough food to feed everybody. We have enough homes to house everyone well
1: it's it's kind of it's starting to it's starting to suggest or kind of hint at socialism a little bit and socialism has is, is got a bad rap it's a four-letter word in the you know after the you know after, after the world wars and russia right. and all that shit you know socialism's kind of got a bad rap but even bernie sanders i think is the one that has started to kind of bring it back is like uh as a concept on paper it's not altogether bad Yeah. You know? Um, But it's just, it's like anything else. It's ripe for mismanagement. Well, it
0: it also depends on what, I mean, what your definition of socialism, a lot of people misunderstand what socialism actually is. Like the definition is like the, the idea that Americans have of socialism is the government paying for stuff. Sure. Which is not socialism. Right. That's just a very skewed singular. That's social democracy. Right. True socialism is where the workers own the means of production. So, um, let's say you and I are are in a real estate company, we all work together and we share the profits and we make group decisions, you know what I mean? Instead of like a hierarchy where there's a board of directors that make all the decisions and the peons just run about doing their bidding, right?
1: Sure, sure.
0: Which I think, you know, and it's a lot more difficult to exploit people when you're in a co-op or what have you.
1: Well, really, really, socialism and capitalism both work if you can keep it fair and that's it's a really it's it's a it's like an impossible concept because capitalism is 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 fueled by greed which is inherently you know creates a, an inequality there but then if you go the other direction like socialism you say okay well let the governing bodies kind of control right. the stuff well well you still got greed that that got that uh that, that kind of manifests itself in that in that arena but it's with uh, but it's with with the politicians, the people that hold the power, right? And they just allocate the resources uh, publicly as they see fit, right? right? So it's still the same problem. It's just two different sides of the yeah. coin. No, I totally but agree. But if, if you can if you can if you can add an element of fairness, which is like inherently impossible, then it both then it works. Capitalism yeah. works and socialism works. But it's you know human nature is not to be fair. Human nature is to want more and to be greedy and to strive and right. Yeah,
0: I mean, is it though, or do that's the question. It's like I kind of see that line of reasoning, but I also think that we're you know like we're talking about sub- experience being subjective is that are we taught? we incentivize we incentivize selfishness. we incentivize sure. that type of thing. so in in the capitalist system, not everything that is of value is profitable right sure. So you and I we can go to the green belt and we can clean up the green belt together and that provides value right that's a value sure. that's a valuable enterprise but there's no profit in it right sure. so that to me that is the biggest issue with capitalism is there's no you know what i mean it's all profit seeking yeah and mm. it, it's and like i said it's incentivizing you know it's like you're going to steal you're going to fudge this it's like oh we'll get we'll get by right
1: so so this uh, so this kind of so in that same vein so um so we we're on this uh this little coffee plantation over in Laos Laos Lao <laughs> Lau. uh, you not supposed to say the s um I don't know why they put an s on it though right I don't know uh, uh so we're over there and uh, there we, we saw this kind of this this ethnic village so it's kinda, it's the equivalent of the American Indians but it's it's the the, the indigenous Laos, yeah the indigenous Laotian you know population so we. We're up in the plateau on our on our bikes, and we we go to this uh, this kind of ancient coffee village, and uh, we take sounds it,
0: fucking awesome by the and
1: way, and it, it was really cool. And and there, there's only one villager guide. He spoke English, and he was the only educated guy in the entire village. And they've been around for hundreds of years. And so he basically said, "Well, I you know I, the elders were against education. They think education is bad, but I went against them, and I I went off over here and I learned a little English. I had some schooling and." Now I'm trying to kind of get a little bit of tourism in our village to, to gain some money so that we can kind of progress as a village. That's that's his mentality, right? And as we go through and, and we're walking with this guy and he gives us an incredible tour and he's just got this vast knowledge of plants and how they work and the chemicals and the different stuff that they're used for. And, and he's he just got this wealth of knowledge that's all been passed down orally for hundreds of years, right? They have no written law or no written anything. Everything is just oral. Nobody's educated. The whole village is just... It's just an aborigine village. Well, in one hand, he's helping the village kind of elevate itself by creating a little bit of income for them and whatnot. But he's he's single-handedly undermining the village at the same time because he's creating hierarchy. He's adding capital. He's creating wants and demands. And now, now yeah. they've got 10 extra shovels. Well, I bet old Joe over here wants a shovel. I bet, you know, Susie over there wants to get a new little, you know, whatever. And so he's he's basically infused all a, a capitalistic... A, he's infused some capitalism into his aborigine village that didn't exist before. So beforehand, they all lived off the land. Everyone shared. Everything was whatever. Well, now he's got this stream of tourism that's coming through, and we pay a little fee, and we buy their coffee from him. We buy this thing, whatever. And we've created... He's created a social hierarchy now. Yeah, and he's at the top, and he's got some. He's said he, you know, he said he's talking to some westerners. Well, that's all you need to know, <laughs> you know. And so I, I don't think he realizes it, but he is. I mean, he's he's. I I think I think he's he's ruining the very fabric of his culture that he's so
0: desperately trying to protect to right. protect. That's, man, that's the paradox of it, right? Isn't
1: it? And it's crazy. And 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 you can't even have the conversation with them. Yeah. Mean,
0: it, you, but at the same time, well, I mean, his perspective is totally different. It's like I live. Look at this.
1: Right. Right. Uh, but you know, the elders are against it. Right. So, at what point is it like for enculturating them into Western culture against their will? Because right. the elders don't want it. Right. The elders are like, no, we think this is bad. But they don't have any education. They don't have. They've never. They've never been off the mountain. They, they've never been more than. A few kilometers, yeah, from where they live. In their whole life, they won't walk more than a few miles away from where they live, and so to have such a narrow focus, it's 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 incredible. So so then you think, well, gosh, is he is he helping or is he hurting? That's the question, and I don't know. I I would argue that he's probably hurting them because once that culture changes, it's like the pickle analogy. A cucumber yeah. goes to a pickle; it'll never go back to a cucumber. Right. I mean, maybe
0: it's maybe it's both though.
1: So so the he, other thing, he's
0: helping but he's hurting, um, and I. You know, this kind of, I always think about this, you know, it's like the theory of efficient markets. Um, Do we really need 18 flavors of ice cream or, you know what I mean? Like, do I have, there's 20 brands of deodorant that were all this productive capacity and effort and capital is going into making all these, but is that really making us happier? You know what I mean? I don't think it is. It's like, there's, there's a balance there, right? It's like, you need, you know, you need some variety, but at the same time, it's like... Well, 31 Flavors, they found out doesn't work. Baskin-Robbins. It's they, too many they, choices. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need <laughs> chocolate, vanilla,
1: it. or strawberry. Which one do you want? Do you <laughs> right. know? Uh, maybe pistachio.
0: And, you know, it's like, what What other... What else could we be producing if we invested that those resources into something else, right? How much is getting wasted? And, right. like, you're talking about creating needs. It's like, hell, when, when did they invent deodorant? It's like they invented... Like, capitalism invented this thing it's like now you smell bad you need our product so that you don't smell bad sure and then now it's indoctrinated in the culture and everybody does it right so and nobody I, questions oh why do, do i need really need deodorant well
1: fuck i guess it depends on how is you deodorant like-
0: making us happier scott well, I think, <laughs> Can you, I, you know, that question? Uh,
1: I, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't like stank ass people, you know, and I get after three days, I get stank ass, you know, so I need a little deodorant
0: after three days. But again, with subjective experience, if everybody smells bad, do you notice? No, right. right. <laughs> get your little snuff box, right? You know,
1: um, so I guess the, I guess the, the real question is, is is it is it good? To ha- does does, does it should a culture be static? Or should a culture change and i would argue that the culture to change so the only thing that's consistent in this whole world is change right right and so from that from that viewpoint i guess this guy's helping the village he's helping them evolve but if you look at it from like a historical point of view well, like really they were a functioning encapsulated society that, that had their own set of, of rules and their own religious practices and everything and you're fundamentally changing that forever and that's never going to come back very true right. so which one's better I, I can't answer that. I don't I don't know what the right answer is. It's maybe yeah. a
0: matter of opinion. Yeah. I mean, again, we need. There's got to be some element of balance because there are benefits to both elements, right? There's benefits to capital and capitalism, and there's benefits to this more, uh, I guess, minimalist type living.
1: But yeah, but you think so? So go back to this guy in the pilot So he's the only one that speaks English, right?
0: Yeah. So now he is the Uh, He's the
1: go-to. He's He's, he's he's the supreme (laughs) guy, and he's going to and he's teaching his kids English, so he is in essence creating an aristocracy within the culture, right? On a micro level, but his family is now going to be the, the super family. They're now the one percent, because they have five extra shovels. They can talk to the tourists. They sell the coffee. They do the whatever. And they and, and you know and they have a fund and, and a chunk of the money goes back to the village and they try to help everybody out and right. you know and so so it's still it's still all done in good nature right but sooner or later greed is going to take over and someone's going to say I want that new shovel right why don't I get to do this I want to lead a tour and charge a dollar uh, you know whatever and so I don't know is that is that change for that capital to that capitalism. Is that is that a good change or yeah, is that a bad is that,
0: change? Is that increasing their happiness? Their subjective experience of reality, you know what I mean? Like that's I would argue no. I, I right. think it's probably not. I think you know. Well, they, I mean you've so, been there. I haven't been there. So. Well I'm saying <laughs> it, it, i mean, well, it, ignorance is bliss. Right, right. No, I agree. Absolutely. You know, and so plug I me think, back in.
1: Yeah, I think this the, yeah, yeah, the matrix. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the matrix, right? Um, but yeah, the, the, they've been they I guess happiness is subjective, but they've they've been happy, functioning society for several hundred years. And now I think they're going to probably have a little bit more turmoil, a little more strife, a little more socioeconomic striation within the community. And that's going to breed more
0: problems is what I think. Yeah, well, I would absolutely agree with that. But I mean, I'm a sociology.
1: And I think the real touch, the real key there is that he said he's in touch with Westerners. If he wasn't in touch with Westerners, then I don't think this would be happening. Yeah. You know, so to me, that's the Western thumb over in the eastern
0: nation colonialism man yeah
1: unlike the micro level
0: so that's crazy and if you think about it, i mean apply that same concept to the u.s the western world in terms of particularly now in the era of financial capital you know what i mean it's so abstract like in that situation it's a very intimate relationship right there's still kind of some direct linkages between things but when you get to a economy the size of the world economy and financial capital f- value and need, everything is so abstracted from the on, like, financial capital is so abstracted out there on computers somewhere. And, the ground reality like they can it's it's gotten so abstracted that those two things are completely separated like what's happening on the ground doesn't necessarily affect what's happening in the financial markets like if we go back to 2008
1: there's a huge disconnect yeah it's not because the 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 financial market is not tied to the direct world right that 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 we live in every day it's this
0: artificial matrix like yeah Well, well
1: it's all based on groupthink you know, I mean, that's what the, the stock market is, is run by groupthink. If the group thinks that stuff is going to go up, then it goes up. If the group thinks it's going to go down, <laughs> it's going to go down because everybody sells, right? right? Now, there's things in the world that affect that. You yeah. know, you see something on the news thing. Oh, my God, you know, uh, General Mills had some bad cereal with some roaches in it. They're going to start going to go down. Sell my General Mills stock. Uh, so there's some effect there, but it's all groupthink that that runs it, which is totally abstract and totally disconnected from the actual box of cereal that you're eating and the stock that you hold
0: even on that level um god it's like damn i lost my train of thought <laughs> well, i don't know man we're talking like this is like pretty deep heavy stuff where we're getting well this into. is what I, this is what i love to get into this is kind of what the conversations i want to have on the podcast yeah um but damn it uh, oh well uh, it's just i'll got circle back on. around later yeah yeah uh I'll tell
1: you that book, Wisdom of Insecurity, really had some powerful stuff, but it's 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 so heady that you can only ingest maybe a few pages at a time, even or even a paragraph at a time sometimes because of what he's saying.
0: Oh, I know what I was gonna talk about. I was gonna talk about so your example about the news, uh, you know, for cereal, your example there. So now it's like not even, you know, they have the massive trading algorithms and exchange traded funds and stuff. So it's like the individual investor is you know you can't compete with a trading algorithm it's like sure. the, these people are moving massive amount, quantities of capital at any time just boom 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 within seconds finding it's like arbitrage by the, by the, <laughs> between the three yeah by the time you click buy on your fucking e-trade account it's like you've, you've already missed out mm-hmm. on the profit you know what i mean
1: yeah well the algorithm i think they mostly look for arbitrage, right mm-hmm. where they where, you, where you've got like you've got three currencies or three stocks and you can and and Two of them are higher than another, so you know you can buy them and sell them all at the same time and actually create create wealth. So it's basically takes the efficient markets, right? Mm-hmm. And it and it it takes the efficiency out of it, right? Because it says efficient markets say they all balance, right? right? Well, if they're out of balance for even just a microsecond, yeah, then the arbitrage algorithm will execute a buy and a sell order to buy, you know, whatever, buy euros and sell dollars and do whatever in this split second when they're apart and creates money out of nothing which is yeah you're right you can't compete against
0: that exactly so it's like the individual the the guy at the bottom labor is getting squeezed so hard um and i was man i was reading this article last night and it was talking saying something interesting uh a really good critique about capital like capital can flow across borders like no problem it's like boom 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 there's no restrictions on that right but in terms of labor it's like nope nope you you got to stay over there Stay over there where I can pay you 10 cents an hour. Don't come over here because I'll have to pay you more. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. obviously, there's a capital has so, like, it's way out of balance. There's got to be a balance between capital and the actual working, man, you know, the workers on the ground doing the actual shit, right? Sure. Because like we need both. Sure. We need capital, right? We But we also need, it's like the people that built this country, you know, they always say, oh, it was rockefeller and it was you know jp morgan and the vanderbilts and whatnot but no it was the fucking people that actually the chinese people built the railroads the immigrants built this country slave labor built this country you know what i mean it's not but oh let's let's point out these three rich dudes who had private armies as our you know that's our ideal that we look up to right right right
1: yeah, I think I think it, if we can regress back to the kind of grassroots, <laughs> yeah, it, it would it would do it uh, it would it would it would serve us well. You know, if it, we had like one unit of
0: labor and one unit of capital and they were all kind of right. equal,
1: I think it would do a hell of a
0: lot of but, good. Yeah, the thing is that capitalism can't function that way. It's like it's got to be this. It's got to be all the time, all the time. Boom 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 boom. Well, there is no com- there it can't, it's like, "Oh, if you if you there's any weakness, the market will devour you, right? Well, the the our our
1: economy is based on a, on an expanding economy. That's why we have inflation that grows at three percent per year over time. Yeah, right. And and that's just basically you know in, injecting more capital every year. So we're at a forever expanding economy, and that's on a inher- finite planet. Yeah, and that's a, that's, that's inhar- a recipe it's, yeah, for it's, disaster. It's inherently flawed. So at some point, it's gonna it all collapse, and then we'll be left with the actual real world tangibles. You know, the, the only thing that'll be worth anything will be the shit you can hold.
0: I'm worried that we're reaching a crisis point. I mean, it's pretty obvious, I think. The way, you know, we've had some pretty big shocks, I think, on the global scale, starting with September 11th and the war on terror and all of that whole thing. That, as well as, you know, the financial collapse. Like, that's what's creating this environment that we're in right now, the rise of fascism in Europe. And then some would say the U.S., you know, depending on, sure, sure, you know, how sure. do you define fascism? Um, but it's definitely, you know, there's a grassroots feeling that, you know, the elites are fucking us over. And whether well, it's, people, it's you probably know, more
1: than a feeling. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: it's true. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I don't think people were as aware of it. You know what I mean? Like, sure. that shit has intensified pretty. I mean, like I said, the political climate bears it out. You know, we've got Trump in the White House. He's a billionaire populist. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah How do we I, have I a billionaire you. appealing to the working man? Like that's I don't know, man. That just yeah. freak that just Well, so get
1: this. So, I don't know if you knew this. So uh so this is this is fascinating. So uh not fascinating, but sad really. Uh when they were having the whole Comey uh trial and all that stuff, they had the whole eye of the world focused on this, you know, the Comey trial, right? right? That same day, that same day, the house passed a uh, passed a bunch of legislation uh, that we re- that took restrictions off all the big banks.
0: Oh yeah, I heard that too. What 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 I found most same
1: di- day though,
0: same <laughs> day. That's just asinine, That's just like thumbing in
1: our faces, the public.
0: What I found most disturbing is, you know, they wanted to repeal some of the what was it, uh, Dodd Frank, right? Yeah, had uh, instituted after the collapse, and uh, so it's not only these. Whatever. I don't even, you know, I'm not hip to all their financial regulations in terms of how that affects, uh, you know, investment banks and what have you. But what I do know is that they removed even the pr- consumer protection elements of the bill, which is it's like, I, I don't understand it, man. <laughs> well, you're not. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I, you do. I mean, I mean, well, I mean yeah. yeah, it's 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 to fuck you. I mean, I mean, and that I mean, sounds coarse. It's clear. Yeah, is it, it clear? It's clear to us. Why is it not clear to everyone else? It's, it's I don't clear. We're just, it. we're just
1: not in a position to do anything about it. They have gerrymandered districts. The power seats are held. It's you know, and, and you know, I don't want to get all conspiracy theory on you because you know you'll you'll lose some you'll well, lose, lose some listeners, but uh, but really it's that stuff is it happens at such a high level that we really don't have a say. We only have to think we have a say for us to stay calm. Right, yeah. But that's a good point, but we don't actually have a say.
0: My thought process with this is that this is an institutional, this isn't a uh, this is woven into the very fabric of all of our institutions. So, it's not just one guy like oh, if we could stop one greedy capitalist, everything would be fine if we could just wo- vote in one sincere politician everything would be fine. Oh, let's just, no, let's it's, it's, just it's, vote for uh, people that care about us. Right. Or let's vote for leaders that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Have our best well, it's, interests it's at systemic.
1: heart. It's at every level.
0: So it's like you, the system creates the people, creates that line of thinking or reasoning or incentive structure that causes pe- people to behave in these aberrant ways and praises them for it.
1: Well, I, th- I think it's, it's, either, I think it's simpler than that. I think it's, it's just smoke and mirrors. It's like uh, Caesar gave the Romans the games, and then you did all this weird political shit yeah. trying to take over. Same kind of thing, you know. They give us entertainment, right? And then they're fucking us behind closed doors, <laughs> you know. It's it's. I think it's that simple. Yeah, you know, and uh, I don't know what to do about it. Like I don't get too politically charged because I ultimately it's kind of sad, but I ultimately don't feel like I can do anything about it. So yeah. I can't get too upset, you know. Right. Uh, all I can do is ride my moped, hang out, get a taco, and you know, if I can do that, then I can. I'm all right. At the end of the at the end of the day, the question is, what do you do about it? Yeah, they're just you know. I think the only the only real solution to this is going to be, uh, social. Uh, what do they call it? Social. You know, you social upheaval or something, or like, uh, or we're we're not at a point that we can fight back
0: with with arms right right
1: there's just no way we, even even if every american has a gun
0: we are not going to fight the military there's the just, empire i mean they could kill us with drones no problem right
1: so so the, you know so civil disobedience that's the word i was looking for civil disobedience i think is the only true mechanism we have to uh, to fight back and 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 that's i don't know how you affect that on a large scale
0: I mean, what's the saying is th- think globally, act locally. So what that means is take steps on your on your local everyday surroundings to improve your life and other people's lives. So I've actually been thinking about starting a volunteer group or, you know what I mean, somebody mm-hmm. that, you know, do something fun. Like let's let's give back, but let's have some fun. Like let's go do a green belt cleanup or something like that. Let's volunteer at the food bank and let's like – that's – you know what I mean? Creating a sense of community and investing in the community and, and other people like that's investing in other people to me is a winning proposition.
1: No, yeah, I think you're, you know what I mean? Like let's
0: value individuals. Let's value people instead of,
1: you get a lot of intrinsic satisfaction when you help somebody. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like a giver's gain philosophy. Right. Um, and there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of programs out there to do that. I mean, you can certainly start your own. Um, you may, if you look, you, know, you may find some stuff that's already in, in existence that uh, that'd be fun to participate in. But it's it's more fun to start your own. No yeah. Doubt.
0: I mean, I don't know. To to me, that's where it's at. And you know, I've got I, I want to be around like-minded people that are want to build something. You know what I mean? And enrich others' lives. You know, instead of this, me, me, me all the time. I want to break away from that, and start giving, mm-hmm. and build, build, building, building value for other people. You know one last kind of thought on this whole idea that we're kind of been tackling this whole conversation um, is have you like going back to the 2008 financial collapse, it's like one company AIG could have brought down the entire global economy. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's, it's kind of a big problem, right? You think we might want to take some action so that we prevent one single company from destroying the entire world economy that has you know it's like not only is it this wealth sitting on a computer bank somewhere but it's like that shit affects the on the on the ground reality that you and i are experiencing right
1: absolutely man um and and not to you know I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I mean Bernie Sanders uh, has said a lot of stuff about we shouldn't be too big to fail, right? You know that we should have, uh, you know, we should we should have some checks and balances in place to make sure that we don't put ourselves in that position again. And which is which is why it's so messed up that they just uh, went right back down that same road last week with regard to the new legislation. We, you know. Lightening all the the big financial restrictions.
0: Yeah. It's like we can't be profitable unless we can do shady shit. Uh, It might crash the world economy, but, you know, we'll we'll make, you know, GDP growth will be 2.3% this quarter and, you know, everybody will be, everything (laughs) will.
1: Dissemination of wealth. Yeah. You know, we've just got so much wealth concentrated in such a few, you know, so many, like, such a few individuals, a few pockets that, uh, it's just, it's, it's ripe for mismanagement. It's ripe for, for over-control. It's, and, and until we can redistribute that wealth, I think we're going to always kind of be in this, this, this scenario. Yeah. Because the wealth doesn't want to let it go.
0: Yeah. You know? I feel like it's just a recipe for disaster. It's only a matter of time before the next collapse, and who knows what happens this time. Um, I mean, but yeah, this happens every so often, right? The business, the quote-unquote yeah. business cycle that cleans out all the small players and then the guys at the top you know what i mean you're you're uh was it warren buffett like that guy cleans up if there's a collapse you know sure. what i mean because he's the only one he's sitting on so much capital you know sure. he's untouchable just like gates i mean bill gates can spend like what 20 million dollars a day for the rest of his life and still have billions mm-hmm. and trillions of yeah, dollars yeah to his name it's just crazy
1: so yeah, it's, and it's you know and, and you think about it like if 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 some of that wealth was redistributed, well boy, it would actually have a huge butterfly effect on the economy. You know, you give everybody at the bottom an extra 10 grand, well they're going to go buy a bunch more McDonald's and a bunch more trucks and a right. bunch more you know whatever, you know, tools and guns and you know, all the consumables. Right, and then that's going to bolster the economy, and then it's going to demand. Yeah, yeah, but 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 you know, and then there's going to create some jobs because then those stores need to have more people to serve those products, and right. you know. But but once it all flows to the top, it just gets stuck there. Yeah, you know. So it's this, this this notion of trickle down economics <laughs> doesn't
0: really work. It's just supply side. Yeah, yeah.
1: it just it just sounds good uh, coming from the rich guy.
0: <laughs> right yeah you know? exactly oh man i i'm successful why the fuck aren't you successful i guess you didn't work hard enough yeah but you were you get, traveling you, too much
1: give me more money and i'll uh, i'll give you a job uh, later right you know <laughs> I mean, that's the basics you know
0: right oh uh,
1: so i choose you know I'm, I'm i think i think the real answer for is to don't worry about any of that shit because you can't really really do too much and this is an inherently selfish approach but basically Worry about your own shit. Find out what makes you happy, and then go do that at whatever fucking cost.
0: Carve out a place for yourself where uh, nothing can touch you. To be poetic about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if if that makes you happy, you know, if you're you know, if you're like a survivalist guy, right, and you want to, and you want to, you know, feel like you're a big survival guy, then go buy a shipping container, dig a big hole, and make a bunker, <laughs> and just do it, and then that'll make you happy, you know, yeah. if that's really what you aspire for, you know. Uh, if you want to travel then fuck it man go travel that makes you happy um just whatever you do just make sure you do it with a little bit of balance be mindful about it and you know i guess that's the i guess that's the nugget you know do what you want to do to be happy but don't do too much of anything
0: right all right scott you just put a neat bow on the podcast (laughs) right there boom tourniquet boom got it butterfly (laughs) closed up um i i don't want to take up too much of your time because i know you've You've got jet lag setting in, so we're going to let you go for the day. But, oh. man, I really appreciate you well, man, getting skits away today. I
1: dude. It's a fucking honor,
0: dude. I feel like a damn celebrity <laughs> over here. <laughs> Anytime, man. We'll. Uh, I'd love to have you back at, at any time we'll in the future. It, we'll We'll, we'll definitely it. have you back on for sure, man.
1: All right. Cool, man.
0: All right. Signing off. All Booyah. Right. Booyah. <laughs>